Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron. Joyful December 2023. We are into our last month of the year. And this festive holiday time that is upon us, I hope that you're taking good care of yourself, that you're opening your heart, feeling grateful, and expanding your reach. And speaking of expanding your reach, I want you to take a moment and notice your body. Wherever you're sitting, just notice the edges of your body, what you determine as the edges of your body. Does that edge stop with your skin? Or does your body extend beyond that? How far out into the world do you think your body goes? We often don't realize that we are so much more than our physical body, yet we come here to really learn how to be in our bodies, to learn how to feel what we're thinking, what we're holding, the energy we're expressing. And yet so often there are things in the world that have a shrink into this skin even further, rather than realizing what's going on in the world is simply touching the rest of us. Today's conversation is going to be a beautiful one. I am with Cheryl Pallant, and she talks about ecosomatics, embodiment practices for a world in search of healing. And in reading her book, she definitely understands that we live at a time where we have to be a two-pronged tuning fork. She says, we're on the cusp of personal and collective change, one an extension of the other, a developmental step that when faced with a more complete range of our abilities, furthers human potential. Consider the time we are in as an invitation to live with an open heart, alert mind, and dynamic integration of our being grounded in our body, in alliance with family, community, and earth. It's how we thrive. And that's really the conversation here. There's a lot going on in the world. There's a lot that might make you want to shrink into your skin, to stay at home, to hold back. And yet it's asking us to do even more than that. It's asking us to expand, to actually develop the body's innate intelligence for this individual and planetary transformation. Cheryl Pallant is an award-winning writer and poet, Reiki and healing touch practitioner, somatic coach, dancer, meditator, and teacher. She has published more than 200 articles on dance, writing, healing, somatics, and spirituality, and she's the author of several books, including Writing and the Body in Motion and Contact Improvisation. She teaches at the University of Richmond, and she leads workshops in the U.S. and internationally. You can find out more at CherylPallant.com, and that link is in the bio description of the guest show page. But for now, without further ado, I want to introduce the author of Ecosomatics, Embodiment Practices for a World in Search of Healing. Welcome, Cheryl, to 1111 Talk Radio. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Your book is a book that will allow individuals to kind of understand where their place is in the world from, the, from what I see. It starts off in the beginning with your introduction talking about confiding. And the way you wrote about it was quite interesting because when we think of confiding, we think of uh, sharing something really intimate with someone or something that we're wanting to really hold close to us and uh, share it with someone in that place that it's also held equally as close. But in the way you speak about confiding, we never even think about confiding to ourselves, developing that trust in ourselves. I'd love to start the conversation right there about confiding and developing that confidence. Yeah, what a great start. Okay, let's jump in. Yeah, so, you know, most of us um, know some things about ourselves, but we kind of limit how 
intimate we get with ourselves. You know, in terms of bodily awareness, we know when we're hungry, we know when we're tired, we know when we're angry, we know when, you know, some basic things, but can we delve even further? Can we delve into some of the more nuanced perceptions of how we are, let alone what might be in the shadow of who we are? So the parts of us that we don't know, the parts of us that are in the unconscious. And so I'm encouraged in this book, um, in my workshops, to kind of bring the unconscious into the conscious, part of which is what brings oneself to healing and then allows, um, I think it encourages other people to do the same. So that intimacy with self, that confidence is acknowledging maybe that you're afraid or maybe you're feeling vulnerable or maybe you're feeling really excited. So these parts of us that we are reluctant to embrace and yet are part of us because we are much more than we recognize that we are. When we are facing these places where we must recognize where we are, sometimes that can take an individual into their depths. They'll meet the faces of grief and sadness or despair. They might even encounter the aliens of jealousy and envy or greed. They may even encounter powerful selves that they didn't know existed. But more often than not, individuals will push away from the part of themselves that is going to lean into the anger or the sadness or the grief or the jealousy. And how do we carry that while also remaining in that walk in the world? Because most of the times people want to just push past. And our society teaches us in a way to kind of get on with life, to don't dwell on certain things. And I found in my own experience, it really does require a good balance of both. Yeah, well, we need a good diet of both, as you say. So th there's times when you, you know, it's helpful to just kind of put the disruption aside because maybe we have to go to work, we have to care for a child. But at some point, we need to attend to it because if we push it away for too long, it will come in sideways and sabotage us. Um, and not only sabotage us, but sabotage the people who are around us, whether it's our family or our workplace. So it, it ends up being really beneficial to, you know, whether it's through dance or through sitting quietly or through writing, or whatever is your modality, to just kind of face the moment, feel into it, in whatever perceptual channel you have available to you and have that experience. And maybe you need somebody with you. Maybe you need a friend. Maybe you need a professional. Maybe you need a whole community. But that's what's so pivotal and what I see as what's created division within ourselves, division within the whole country right now, and how we've not only separate from our own being and our body, but we're separating from the earth as well, because that's an extension of our body. It's another body, an interconnected body. So it's really of great benefit to self and self and more than self to do what I consider the work. Um, but, you know, you can also do it through play. You can do it through, you know, creative expression. You can do it through whatever meditative means you might have. So I have an ongoing commitment to confide in myself in those various ways to bring up what I don't know about myself and find out. And then in the finding out about me, it ends up giving other people to have permission to do the same with themselves, whether or not I say, hey, do this. Um, and, you know, the thing about what we push aside, you know, what we resist persists and we are continually making choices. So I encourage people to make positive choices from themselves. And that often involves 
being compassionate. You know, we tend to be incredibly judgmental, critical. Maybe that's fine a small percentage of the time, but self-compassion goes a really long way. It really allows us to grow and it really lets us sit in our being and sit in the power of who we are. So often those words like self-compassion or self-love or even self-worth can seem like such foreign concepts until we learn how to give that to ourselves. And you brought up writing and dancing and creative pursuits. And I think that those end up being really beautiful keys in that initially we can use those, like you said, to share something that allows us to heal, but then it ends up touching someone else. And it's as if those creative capacities that we have when we develop them, they end up becoming this ladder that can raise us in vibration and outlook and consciousness and expression so that we understand really what self-compassion or self-love and self-respect are. How have you noticed that transformation between your gift skills and talents, uh, your creative capacities, in the pathway from healing to wholeness or experience to expression? Yeah, so, you know, there's things that I'm aware of consciously, like I uh, know that I'm bringing certain experiences to people, whether I know them or don't. And what's also interesting are the times that I am influencing people unknowingly. Um, so I've been told many times that, you know, as soon as I walk into a room, um, people feel the room, the, you know, the, the energy of the room shift and they suddenly feel more at ease. And I haven't said a word yet. So it's like, oh, good. Um, I've, I've completed my work here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have to say anything. Okay, goodbye. Um, <laughs> so sometimes it works that way. But, you know, but I'm constantly doing my own creative expression, which I know, you know, initially is in the privacy of my room. But because of my understanding of energy, I understand that it's also emanating beyond the room. And then also in the very specific energy healing that I do, working with specific clients and bringing, whether it's uh, my physical touch to their body or to uh, just being in the space and working with their energy. And they, we are communicating on that level. And it may be for them conscious or it may not be, although typically even with them, whether it's physical touch or not, they are reaping benefits and they usually talk about some of the immediate benefits. So, it, you know, it's multi-pronged and, and I find quite potent, which is why I continue to do these practices that are not necessarily common or supported in our culture because they don't immediately, they're not easy to commodify. So in, in our cultures, you know, capitalist culture really wants to go there. And yet those of us who are spiritually inclined know that that has limitations. So we've got to do the work that we do. That so touches on the section in your book where you talk about the value of being authentic. And I love this one particular line where you say, authenticity as a two-way street leads to understanding self and body as verbs, not only nouns, that we self-embody our way through life. We are the active embodiment of influencing and being influenced. And I don't think that individuals necessarily consider self and body as verbs, but it's a very powerful concept to consider because it almost shifts the way of being. Would you like to expand on that a little bit? Yeah. So, you know, we are familiar with our various identities, you know, whether it's um, I am a daughter or I am a teacher or I am a confident person, what, whatever are the ways that we identify and then we get caught in the concepts. So let's say um, confident, and then 
um, you're given a new iPhone and you don't know how to work it, which is, you know, the case with me. It's like, oh my God, how do I do this new technology? And what happens to my confidence? It's not there in the moment. But if we give ourselves permission to just be in that being place, then we not only we find a way, but we don't get caught up in judging self that, oh gosh, you know, I'm a failure, I'm a whatever it might be. So all we're doing is just responding to whatever is the circumstance. And I find it really freeing. So instead of saying, you know, I am a writer, for instance, I say, I write. Oh, good, because writer has all sorts of associations with it. And it's like, oh, I don't know if I am, if, am I not? And I mean, I hear that from so many writers, so many dancers, so many spiritual practitioners. But once you put it into uh, the way of a verb, then like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, I, I write, you know, I write a couple hours a day or several hours a week or whatever the case may be. And similarly with, you know, just the body. So, you know, yes, we, and here I'll hesitate to use the word have a body, are a body, but we are bodying, now I turned it into a verb, bodying through the day. So then that brings attention to the fact that we are in process with whatever our perceptions are, whether they are more internally based or externally based. And once we see that we are in process, it's really quite liberating. So that's what I, in, I encourage the verbing of oneself, which allows us to grow into, you know, maybe one day, one moment where the computer programmer in the next month, we become a healer and we don't get stuck in who we have been or who we are. We are always in process. I mean, just look at our breath. You know, it's constantly coming in and out and sometimes bigger and sometimes smaller. And that's happening on so many different levels. I love that because I really do believe we are here to shed identity as we move along, that the limiting factor becomes the lenses that we continue to peer through because they're each one is locked into certain beliefs or certain mannerisms and behaviors. And so when we all of a sudden can disidentify in that way, we create a sense of freedom for ourselves. And that energetically then transfers into freedom for those around us and within our environment. Your book title is Ecosomatics. Very interesting word. Don't know that I've seen it written in that way before. Can you explain? first of all, somatics, and then what ecosomatics is in expansion of that. Yeah, sure. So somatics is uh, the subjective or personal experience of one's own body. So it, it's like saying, um, recognizing that you're really cold, even if you know the temperature in the room is 90 degrees. So your own somatic or personal or subjective experience is what matters within somatics as opposed to an objective or scientific perspective or understanding. And then bring in eco, and that is tied to ecology, which then recognizes that the somatic body, which has got its own ecosystem, is also intimately tied into all the other ecosystems around us. So whether it's um, the life of a tree or the life of the fungus or how the hawks are perched in the tree and on and on and on. So that when I talk in the book about embodying self, I recognize that self is an extension or is an interdependent relationship with trees, with hawks, with river, with fungal threads. So everything is interconnected. And so I'm seeing that this embodiment process that I encourage is both. It's not an either or, it's a both and it's interdependent. 
You know, the word embodiment, and, and I think it happens with so many words in in different genres, but specifically within self-help, personal growth, and spirituality, we can find that words start to be used so much that they actually lose their meaning. And they're just used kind of casually and randomly. And I think when we do use words in a casual way, we then become out of touch with the sacredness of what the experience and expression of that word truly means for us, for our soul, for our human evolution. Embodiment's one of those words I see oftentimes thrown around or just used or people just saying, I'm embodying this or I want to embody that. But in truth, there may not really be the embodiment. It's more of clinging on to the use of the word and more of a convincing or staking a claim of something. Can you define what true embodiment is mm -hmm. to you? Yeah. So, you know, it's not an either or. You're not like either you're embodied or you're not. So it, there's a continuum. So um, right now your attention, you know, listener's attention is on my words. But I'd say, um, what's going on in your toes at this moment? What's going on in the small of your neck? Um, how is your breathing and how is any of that impacting how you are listening or how you are receiving these words, receiving the concepts of them, or are they going into your heart or are they going into your mind? So, you know, the, the uh, more extended embodiment, I think, includes all of that. It includes having... Um, heightened perceptions of not only self, but self and other, whereas the less embodied are aware of the more basic perceptions. Oh, that was a noise. Well, what was the noise? I don't know what kind of noise it was. How are you feeling? I don't know. I guess okay. Um, and I have lots of clients like that. I'll say, you know, how are you feeling? And they're like, okay, I guess. Oh, oh so, but you reached out to me because you're feeling your life is, you know, out of whack. And do you know why? No. <laughs> and and they don't know what's going on with them physically. They don't know what's going on with them um, emotionally or spiritually. Somehow they've ended up um, coming to see me or reaching out to me, or they've been recommended by somebody, or they have some serious ailment and they're looking to somehow um, feel better or be totally healed. So I find that the more one embodies, you know, then the route to healing, the route to feeling better um, is ex more accessible. And you talk about in the book embodiment principles showing up within things like your writing or your poetry or, or different practices that you utilize, whether creatively or uh, in embodying things even more. Talk a little bit about how to deepen into that sensory perception and integration of embodiment as opposed to um, simply the practice, but the full integration. Yeah. So, you know, the most accessible thing is um, go somewhere either quiet, like maybe, I mean, I have a quiet basement here, so I often retreat there, or retreat into nature and, and be surrounded by the natural rhythms, which then allows your senses to kind of withdraw from the mechanistic world of computer sounds or or car sounds, or whatever are the sounds of, I'll, I'll call them synthetic sounds. And then you start being able to more readily hear yourself, feel yourself. Um, and once you start getting into that stillness with your, within yourself, then you start, I'll say, unraveling or unfolding. And that's when, you know, more of the bubbles of who you are start emerging and popping and bringing up, I mean, I want to say delight, but also sometimes grief and sometimes fear, but you were able to move through 
who we are and get fully into the process of our being. We all have the spark that takes underutilized and hidden abilities to illuminate a mind. Taking action is a recognition that contributing to a positive outcome matters. It means faith rather than despondency, help rather than horror, love rather than fear, and giving balanced with taking ideas like interdependence, entrainment, and quantum entanglement point toward collective interactivity, how every action, thought, and feeling influences the whole. Missing in any given moment may be knowing the specifics of the connection or an outcome. Dr. Cheryl Pallant's book, Ecosomatics, talks about transformative change, expanded knowing, and heightened consciousness about becoming whole. It's about opening ourselves to enhanced human ability. It's about embracing a potential greater than our family or culture may have led us to believe can happen. It's about broadening the foundation of who we are, increasing awareness, and moving from personal bias and cultural blind spots into wisdom and new abilities. Some ecosomatics is about healing personal and cultural wounds, redefining the body, expanding awareness, and stepping fearlessly into our being. It's about connecting with the shifting consciousness. To handle the challenges before us, we need all options and skills placed on the table, our mind working in congruence with our heart, and embodied integrative intelligence in coherence with nature. This is from Dr. Cheryl Pallant's book, Ecosomatics, Embodiment Practices for a World in Search of Healing. You can find out more about her workshops, the ways you can work with her, and her various books by going to CherylPallant.com, C-H-E-R-Y-L-P-A-L-L-A-N-T.com. We'll be right back with more of Cheryl and Ecosomatics right after these messages. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Do you want more? More joy, more abundance, more power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships? more empowered community, greater fulfillment, and life purpose? The 1111 Mastermind Community inspires, empowers, guides, and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course, dream a new dream. The 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 gateway. Courses.1111mag.com. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. 
Before we get back to Cheryl Pallant and her book, Ecosomatics, I want to excitedly share that Conversations with the Universe, How the World Speaks to Us, is now available on Audible. It just got released this week. I am so, so excited for you to get that audiobook and to listen to all of the powerful stories and all the ways that the world is speaking to you. I guarantee, after reading and listening to that book, you will never, ever look at life the same way. It is amazing how the universe constantly uses everything in our surroundings, from our children to our pets, to our cars and our homes, to other people and even the weather and seasons, to tell us about ourselves. You are always speaking to you about you. So definitely go to Audible and get your copy of Conversations with the Universe, How the World Speaks to Us, and let me know what you think of it. As we get back to the conversation for today, I want to share what Cheryl says in her book about ecosomatics. Ecosomatics encourages us to ground into our body along with the body of Earth. It encourages us to heighten our senses, to increase our innate natural intelligence. It asks us to place awareness on the ecology of our body tied to the flesh of the Earth. As we weather dramatic environmental changes and investigate what sustains us, we are urged to show up in our body more responsively and engage ecosomatic listening that puts us in touch with all of nature. Again, you can find out more about Cheryl and her other books, workshops, and ways to work with her by going to CherylPallant.com, and you can find that link in the bio description of the guest. This is a beautiful book, and it will lead you through many different embodiment practices in a world right now that is in search of healing. I want to talk a little bit about that, Cheryl, in terms of climate chaos, some of the different things that are taking place. I imagine that what's going on in our world climate-wise creates a lot of additional stress, a lot of additional emotion and feeling that people may not fully allow themselves to feel. So many things in our world and what that's pointing to can create a lot of extra anxiety. Talk about that in relation to how ecosomatics can help us to perhaps relax, find a greater sense of balance within our own world, but also be in service to our world. Yeah. So, I mean, that was one of the motivations for writing this book is, you know, the climate imbalance, the climate crisis that we're in right now. And, you know, what else can I do to, you know, serve, serve the world? And so one, I think it's really important that we acknowledge our grief, acknowledge our despair, acknowledge the anxiety. But given that, um, all of life is intertwined. And I mean, we're a big web. And in the same way that we might decide that we're going to uh, plant a tree and, and tend to the tree so that it grows well, so that, you know, the squirrels and the, the birds can live there. I think it's also important that we grow our own person and know that when we are growing ourselves, and tending to ourselves, then we are impacting, you know, all the life around us as well. So, and, and that's working not only if we want to call it, you know, in the fungal network language, or it's happening on that energetic level. And what's happening right now in the world, I mean, there's so much disruption. And I am, you know, every day experiencing some degree of worry, fear, joy as well, but, you know, to acknowledge that and then spend significant time grounding myself. So not only grounding myself within my own being, but really connecting to the larger world around me so that I feel like um, the positive energy that I'm putting out, the, the healthy threads I'm putting out, the love that I'm sharing everywhere is is having its positive impact. And I encourage, yeah, and I encourage listeners to do something similar, whatever that might be, whether it's, you know, play piano or go for a walk with um, one of your children. 
You have uh, in a beautiful section of the book titled The Embodiment of Expanded Perceptions, a section about healing where you say healing is much more than the absence of pain. Rather, it indicates our degree of wholeness, a confluence of our physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, and energetic selves. In wholeness, there's no need to pretend or defend. Instead, we operate from flow, from an experience of support and balance, from engaging in actions that enhance connection and embodiment and establish our body as home. That very much connects to what you just said, but I particularly want to focus in on the sentence where you say, there's no need to pretend or defend. Because I think that's a really critical point because oftentimes the ego, the identity, the fear-based false self will want to slip into those places rather than walking in that very grounded way through that fear, through that denial, through that deception. Yeah, I mean, that, that that's what gets us into that place of flow. That's what gets us, yeah, we'll, we might feel, we'll feel the fear, we'll feel the despair, but we'll also fear the awe of life. So, and whether it's awe of something that is so-called natural or something that's unnatural. I mean, I'm in incredible awe of Zoom that, you know, I get to connect with people all over the world. Oh my gosh, how entirely amazing is that? But then I walk, you know, right now, the leaves are falling, they're turning colors, and I'm amazed and in awe and great appreciation of the beauty of the colors and the whole cycle of life. So, you know, in some ways, it's about connecting both in the the small world. So I'm like looking at what's literally under my foot and then looking at the larger world. So, you know, turning the lens and going even further out. And I think uh, it's beneficial to be doing both. I mean, we do that all, all the time, whether we're, we're the small lens is checking our email, the bigger lens is, you know, when we go hiking and we're aware of where we're heading. I mean, we're both also looking at what's under the foot when we're hiking. Otherwise, we might stumble. But, you know, that whole process is so pivotal to staying in flow, being in flow, connecting to body, bodying, body as process, and then body as interdependent with all other life around us. Another one of those words that I think can oftentimes be thrown around, but not necessarily deepened into to discover what it truly means is the word wholeness. And you expound really well. Uh, and I love this line, wholeness is another term for an integrated self. Because oftentimes people might not consider integration is that that step, that, that fullness, all the petals of wholeness that have to allow us to flower. Can you add anything around wholeness or the integration of self creating yeah. that wholeness for people? So one, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> right oh gosh i'm not whole today oh my god i you know no it's not about that but it is about you know allowing the big breath the small breath allowing um um the laughter allowing the tears um allowing the full expression of who we are and you know maybe some situations are better for that than others and finding the situations or the circumstances where you can be more fully yourself or you can explore more of who you are. And once you start doing that, you, you do start really filling into or filling out who you are. So that it's not like you have to, you know, work at a thousand piece puzzle and just live in your head and try to figure everything out. But once you start, you know, feeling your heart or feeling your body or feeling your creative expression or feeling the subtle energies and watching the, the intermingling among them, then you start feel, re realizing that there's all these different aspects of who you are. And at one point, one asserts itself and then, you know, an hour or a day later, another part asserts itself, and you allow these different parts of yourself to come forth. And that, for me, is a definition of health, and health and 
health and wholeness are uh, etymologically connected and it's related to that integration as well. Three decades ago when I was really wanting to shift out of where I found the dysfunction in my life, the path that I took ended up being the path of beauty. Mm. I found beauty to be really critical to moving me forward. I wanted to create beauty. I wanted to see beauty. I wanted to know beauty again. And that really supported in stepping into greater soul purpose unknowingly. It allowed a greater connection to the world. It allowed my eyes to brighten and lighten up because beauty was so powerful to me. And you talk about the presence of beauty in your book, which I think so often in, in the world, we tend to look at the ugly. We tend to look at the discordant, the disharmonious. And when we learn to attune ourselves to beauty, harmony, pleasure, those types of things, all of a sudden, the scales do tend to start feeling more balanced. Will you talk a little bit about beauty or harmony or any of the other really uplifting essences that we can embody and express that can support the rest of that integration process. Yeah, so I'm glad you are a a beauty aficionado. <laughs> but you know what? So a lot of us go to the beach, we're walking along the shore, and we look down and there's a piece of seashell and it's been soaked in the waves, soaked in the sun, tumbled, and it has this glistening uh color palette and it just prompts us to like look at it and for many of us bend down pick it up put it in our pocket but before we put it in the pocket we're just like looking at it and just recognizing oh my gosh i can't call this white i can't call this blue there's not a really great word for this but if you just even don't go into the word place and just kind of appreciate its uh, presence upon your eyes, its presence upon your being, and you start feeling a kind of resonance with it. And that resonance, I mean, it's kind of like a, oh, you know, it's vibrating and you start vibrating with it. And that resonance between you and Shell, it's like having, you know, a really wonderful relationship and you're having a relationship with a Shell. And this can happen with leaves, this can happen with animals, this happens with people, it happens with the art that we create. And I think it's really important to get into a, that type of relationship, because then I think also that sense of awe, I mean, we're, we're back in being, you know, two years old when we just start giggling at a strange sound, which might have been a burp, which, you know, right now, as adults, if we hear that, we don't giggle because social standards say don't. <laughs> I might, however. Um, but just that sense of that gleefulness or that appreciation of all the elementals of life. And I think it reminds us of our own aliveness and our own process and our own um, many nuances of who we are. So it's not a well-recognized practice. I mean, oftentimes art classes, um, drama classes, I mean, they're not considered important in our culture. And so we're not taught about like how important beauty is. And yet I think of it as a primary I mean, I find that if I don't have, you know, regular dose of beauty in my life, then I can feel myself starting to wither away. And so I, I try to surround myself with beauty. And what's my beauty may not be your beauty, but, to you know, it's important for you to find whatever is your beauty. That's so true. You know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And when it is missing, there does seem to be a sense of dullness mm -hmm. to life, to color, to things, to work, to everything. So I definitely am someone that um, advocates for beauty in the world. The other word that's really powerful is belonging. 
Mm. And that's another thing that's, I think, very individual. We all have to find our own belonging. You talk about it in terms of creating greater resilience, which is really powerful. And I think at this time in our world, we require a greater resilience. Speak a little bit more about how you see belonging. Yeah. So, you know, the majority of Americans are from somewhere else. Um, and so not only are our ancestral lands somewhere else, we may also be mongrels. So it's not like we can go back to one specific area and say, oh, this is where my ancestors are from. So we're all a little bit displaced. But we also, because of that disembodied sense that we talked about earlier, we often feel like we don't even belong within our own body. Like we don't feel at home with ourselves. And we also don't even feel at home in um, maybe the house where we live or the community where we live. Because, you know, and the land where we are, like how well do we know any of these places? And do we have that sense of beauty and appreciation? And yet when we start really accepting ourselves on that deep level, then we feel like we belong. And it's not like we belong in this body forever. We belong in this body in this moment because what this body is right now in another minute or another week or another year will be a, a different body. So, you know, so getting back into the sense of we are in process, we are bodying ourselves. And to feel that we belong, belong in our body, belong with the earth, belong with a place on earth or places, or even we belong on that level of um, energy, which means that we are quite diffuse and we are spreading ourselves, if not, you know, in the room, but beyond the room. So then we belong everywhere. And I find that as a uh, dancer and then as an energy healer, um, to belong in my own body is so incredibly potent and translates into inviting others to do the same for themselves. So that sense of belonging is a really powerful experience. It, it truly is a, a very, very powerful experience. And to ask that question, what do I belong to? What belongs to me? And, and really deepen into that inquiry is a very, very powerful thing to do. You also and, talk about fear and love in the book. And I heard somewhere that fear is the faith in evil. Uh, it's worry is the faith in evil. And that creates greater fear for us. Talk a little bit about how to ground into <clears throat> love beyond fear. Yeah, so love is one of those overused words as well. So, you know, I love these carrots is really different from, you know, loving a person um, or loving yourself. And I'd also want to make a distinction between possessive love, you belong to me or I belong to myself, and the kind of love that is permission to be or the allowance of being allowing of that process. And when you're in the process of allowance and acceptance and belonging, then what starts happening is your body starts vibrating on a whole different level. And, you know, for me, it means then the beauty starts really asserting itself. And there's a resonance with other as well. So, Yes, you know, fear is inevitable. And sometimes fear is really important to experience because it means like, oh, you better cross the street or you better, you know, leave the party or whatever it might be. It's a really great um, indicator. But if we're living in fear, then that means we're not liberated. We are being controlled by certain, I would say, nefarious forces, but also we are not in touch with, you know, the soulfulness of who we are. And when we are with love, then we are in that kind of higher vibrational self. 
and it's not possessive. It's allowing and giving and generous, not only generous to others, but generous with oneself. So, you know, I always talk to my clients about self-compassion, self-love, because they're so self-critical for a whole variety of reasons. And even giving themselves, you know, five minutes of self-loving and immediately their nervous system settles down, their stress levels go down, um, and, you know, the, the color of their skin changes. I mean, so many shifts start taking place. So love is a really healing energy, but also quite overused words. So how I'm using it may not be the way that you recognize it to be. Although I think, Simran, you get it. <laughs> yeah. I do believe that love, self-love, self-compassion, that those are really our true purpose in life. <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that we think there are all these other purposes, but ultimately it's about love, compassion, and forgiveness. In your book, you write, fear prompts the body to contract and withdraw while love encourages expansion and connection. The body responds well to love. Love reduces or eliminates the negative impact of stress, strengthens the immune system, and supports hormonal balance. Love is generative, generous, resilient, resourceful, and creative. Love provides the strength and courage to look difficulties in the face and find ways to resolve them. Cheryl Pallant reveals how to incorporate embodiment into everyday life through this book, Ecosomatics. This guide will show you how the body is a process that is a part of nature, not separate from it, and that by embarking on the transformative inner journey, we can bring healing to the world around us. I invite you to explore more of what Cheryl Pallant is doing by going to her website, CherylPallant.com, C-H-E-R-Y-L-P-A-L-L-A-N-T.com. And once again, pick up your copy of Ecosomatics, Embodiment Practices for a World in Search of Healing. While you're at it, um, be sure to download my new audiobook on Conversations with the Universe. Thank you so much, Cheryl, for being with us today. It's been a really rich and beautiful conversation. And to my listeners, I wish you a beautiful week. Look forward to having you back next week. And until then, I am Simran, in love, of love, with love and as love. Be well. Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality. Your heart to greater compassion and your experience of aliveness with 1111 Talk Radio. Join host Simron next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time to step through the gateway of conscious living here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember, you are not on the journey. You are the journey.